On this week's podcast, I'm joined by Jason Byrne, comedian, the outright king of live comedy. Well, that's how he describes himself. Anyway, Jason, good afternoon to you. Yeah, Niall, now look straight in, how are you? But we got to sort that out. That thing has been written there for years. But that's what you say you're the outright king of comedy. Oh, I'm Irish. You know quite well I've never said that out of my mouth. Um, so that would be a quote from a journalist in Edinburgh. Right. You know, can imagine me what? Actually, I'll tell you really quickly. Here's a really good story. I uh, was in Australia and I was listening to the radio and there was a, a radio host over there and uh, his, I think, oh yeah, Matt O'Kine was his name. And Chris Rock was gigging there that night. And mm-hmm. he was on Matt O'Kine's, uh, uh, what you call it, a radio show. And uh, Chris said, you just, Chris Rock said, are you just a radio host? He goes, no, I'm a stand-up comedian as well. And Chris Rock went, oh, wow, are you any good? And he says, yeah, 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 I'm pretty good. And he goes, wow, you're saying you're really good to Chris Rock? He said, I bet. He says, I, I was in the same room as Richard Pryor, and he asked me, was I any good? And I said, no, I'm a disgrace to be sitting in front of you. And then, then this was brilliant, Niall, right? He says, have you got any footage of your stand-up or any kind of audio? And Matt says, yeah, I think so. And they got it and they played it. And he was one of those, he's one of those very neat and clean comics. Mm. And he was talking about a vacuum cleaner. And I just cut back to the studio to utter silence. <laughs> Chris I, Rock went. I've often had this situation. I've often had that situation on radio where some <laughs> the problems see with radio as well, with with comedians in particular, right? Comedians get the buzz, I suppose, from the crowd, right? So yeah, the more yeah. the crowd laughs, the more you laugh, the more they look at you laugh and the more they laugh but when you're on radio or particularly in the late late show at the moment with no audience right and you're on radio and nobody's laughing you're kind of going okay was that bit funny or not or is that a tumbleweed moment well i have to say no i mean i've done a lot of radio in the past and the luxury of just be, like not being interrupted at all because <laughs> like, i've heard you <laughs> ranting on and I can I can feel it in my bones going he thinks this is going really well <laughs> <laughs> but then it's easy but then you get the, the radio host will do the laugh you know, particularly on breakfast shows they do this kind of thing you know this kind of ha 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 yeah yeah the yeah. fake laugh there's a great episode now in Family Guy I'm sure you've seen it with um where the baby and the dog start a radio show and it's the funniest thing ever in Family Guy it's just it's like it's it's called like the baby and the brain or something like that, right? And they're constantly, <laughs> and every time they just keep hitting those buttons, going wow, 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 oh, woo, woo, baby and the brain, woo, and it's all that just for a. Well, I've got those so buttons they, here if you want them. You know what I mean? No, we don't need them. Uh, like no one's going to be listening to. Them, okay, no. well, fair we, enough. So and as well, that's very yeah. That is a very dangerous way to introduce somebody on Irish radio, like King of Live Comedy, because we only spoke about this recently about um you know in 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 America. Uh, when you go on television or radio or anything, they want to know all the stuff you've done. And, you know, and like, you know, what success have you had? And tell us this and we'll tell them. But like when you get introduced in Ireland, it's best just use your name. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking here, by the way, you're very optimistic. It says on your website, by the way, next gig, Tuesday, the 14th of September in Norwich. Is that a bit optimistic at the moment? Well, uh well, Boris said yesterday. June well, Boris, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. I don't. Well, maybe Boris is going to do that. But I don't. Listen, Niall, I'll have to say one thing: is I wish Michael Martin would come out and do the same thing. It just made everybody feel really good, even though nobody. Really I know. I said this on radio today, even Did though you? there's a date. But I mind you, he used the word irreversible, which is a great word, right? Oh, don't you love that as well? Yeah. Oh, it's irreversible. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's irreversible. So, in other words, he's not going to change this. He said he made. 
delay it by a week or so, which was kind of a little bit of an oxymoron. He said, this is irreversible, but it might get delayed by a week. But anyway, yeah. but it might get delayed. But it, either way, the Brits now have a date, the 21st of June. They think they're back to some level of normality. I mean, today, Thomas Cook or whatever it is, or EasyJet, yeah. have, have seen an increase of 337% in people booking flights. <laughs> people have gone mad. <laughs> no, you can't do that. You can't be booking holidays. You've got to use a bit of cop on. But one thing is... Like, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot because I've loads of British fans online and that they're actually saying, oh, my God, Jason, maybe your gig, your gig. Oh, my God. Brilliant. And look, at least, it, yes, it is keep, keeping people happier when you do that. But there is a danger, of course, of dropping them hard when he turns around and goes, actually, no, it's not working. And how does, by the way, how, I, I've wondered how that works out for you as a professional. So let's say you book out the stables or the Hazlitt Theatre or Norwich, whatever it is, right? And you book these out and let's say they've sold 75% of the tickets for this particular tour you're doing, right? So all of a sudden Boris goes, no, loads of people have died of the COVID again. We have to lock it all yeah. down again. I mean, do you financially lose out on that or is that all insured or how does that work out for you? Well, the way we financially lost out and stuff was that we've just got no money. <laughs> uh, so there's no it's, it's, I mean because everyone like, either has to get no, their money back or, or, or else it's not like you know like a builder doesn't go to work and then he just gets money he's like what no we, I know what you mean no there's no insurance cover there for it's 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 there is no insurance cover for stuff like that at all okay. so what happened though was that that tour that's on sale right now is last year's tour right? okay that's move forward a year, year you're looking at yeah and we sold about, I'd say, 50% of the tickets uh, before all the announcements came in. And not one British person asked for their money back. They all left the ticket. Like, not one. All those different tours, all those different... Yeah, uh, well, no, I, I booked tickets to go and see Barry Manilow. Don't ask. <laughs> don't ask, right? My partner. That's a, okay. Listen, he's a legend. And yeah, you're no, no, Karen, my brother, is a big fan. Before he died. Okay. So well but I rang Ticketmaster to find out what the story was. And your man said, oh, well, look, it's moved to June 2021 because it was meant to be June 2020. And yeah. your man even had a bit of a laugh at me. He says, that's if he's alive by then. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's just, but listen, that's going to happen to me. I stopped gigging when I was, uh, let's see, uh, what was it? Fe- it was March, wasn't it? Have, you, have you seen Barry Mandel recently? He looks like a thunderbird. He look, he, he has this kind of look uh, yeah. about him. God bless him. Isn't I mean, he injected and pulled and stretched? Uh, yeah, and, and he's old. I mean, he must. the man must be 90 or something. But uh, getting back to COVID, right? I'll come back to you in a second in your life because I'm interested. You gave me your email address a few minutes ago, which means that I'm going to now haunt you. But you gave me your email address and it has 1972. So <laughs> you I'm always ass- haunt me. I'm assuming that's the year you were born anyway, right? So that makes you yeah. 50 in two years' time, right? Long career, okay? This is probably the first time anything like this has happened where your career is put on hold. What do you make of the whole COVID-19 thing? Oh, now hang on. What do you mean? Do you mean like, uh, like how real is it? How unreal? Wait, how is it? we've like reacted? How scary. And- well, how we've reacted. I mean, look. I think we all know that every virus is scary. Every virus can be dangerous to vulnerable people. We're all aware of that. And yes, yeah. and a lot of people sadly have passed away. And I don't want to get too morbid about the whole thing. But, but how governments of the world have reacted? I mean, you, you see different opinions no, they, online. They've reacted like uh, dynamite, is what I would say. Is that they just threw dynamite into all their different cultures and just blew their blew their whole brains and way of living like apart mm-hmm. instead of kind of so there was never any have you noticed that on the news and like on all the rtes and everything there's never any reassurance there's never any uh so they will never say they never said anything positive it was all like just shock news all the time numbers and i kept looking at that going 
you know, there is a way of telling people things and keep and, and, and not having them frightened. It was like as if, uh, like everybody I met is just, was just scared and frightened and frightened to do stuff and frightened to do, and that wasn't their fault. And actually, here's a here's a really good good one uh, that I, I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure you did. Do you see the couple that got that people ratted on? From oh, on the mountains. Yeah. Right. So I put that up, right? So okay, just I for actually... people who don't know or listen to the podcast. So this wonderful yeah. couple, they're two doctors. They were on yeah. a little bit of a semi-break in a log cabin somewhere up the mountains. They went for a little bit of a walk up the mountains and they found this dog that had been missing for two, two weeks. The man put him on his back. The dog had lost nearly a third of his body weight, put him on his back and carried him all the way back. And now somebody has gone to the guards, snitched on them because they were outside <laughs> their 5K and the guards are actually investigating it. Yeah, so I put up a little picture of that, that just, you know, the, the headline. And then I, I wrote in, uh, your curtain twitching pricks. <laughs> right? I think I, I wrote said, something similar, actually. <laughs> You're absolute bastards for doing this, right? And then, of course, you know, people got in. And I would only ever put up something like that if I don't know the people's names. Like, I'm not going to have a witch hunter. And so yeah. I had no idea who, who, who ratted. So it was just, and I just said, listen, we all need to look after each other more. This is ridiculous. So everybody went up and went, yeah, they're wankers, they're poor, they're, yeah, hate them. Yeah, we should find them and be, they put them up in the mountains for two weeks. You know, <laughs> right? Like, Lash them in the middle of O'Connell Street. Yeah, make them, yeah, yeah, strip them down and make them eat dog food. Uh, no, that's not good either. So then I actually then was, do, I do this thing called, I just do a thing on Facebook Live called Check In Sundays. It's just a simple thing. I just sit here. And I just go on Facebook Live and, pe- and it's just, a, you know, so people can chat because there's a lot of people who live on their own. Yeah. So I actually said to them, I said, actually, I said, hang on, let's have a look at this for a second. I said, I, I think I jumped the gun a little here by saying, you're twitching bastards. So if you look at it this way now, is that they, those people rang the police or the guards to rat out those whatever. Yeah. But it's not their fault for doing that. Now, whose what fault I mean is by it? That, whose fault is it? They were, pro- they have been hypnotized, frightened, and just the propaganda, this whole mad shit. So we've all been socially conditioned, yeah. Yeah, so they have been, yeah, literally they, they see people outside of 5K and they automatically lift the phone. And it's almost like they're not doing it. It's almost like maybe two years ago, they would never have done anything like that. But they're, but it's, it's, isn't this, so and I scared. said, isn't this what the Catholic Church did to people for years? If yeah. you don't live the way we tell you, you won't go to see Holy God, you go to hell, mm. right? Now the government are doing exactly the same thing. If you don't live the way we tell you, you're going to kill your granny. And that, that's yeah. really now, what listen, it is, isn't it? The whole thing is that it's, there's a certain bit of cop on that's needed. Two doctors up in the mountains where there's no humans right but they basically were in the middle of nowhere and they're also in a car where they've obviously come i mean people were saying they were staying in a spa resort up there it's going what fucking spa <laughs> resort is up in wicklow mountains i'm from ballantyre and i spent most of my childhood up there there's tick knock and a couple of uh, cycle tracks yeah there's not spa around it as well yeah yeah and round one not they're all very much forests but like like even before all this, whenever I go for a walk up there and it's like, it, there's still people miles away from each other. There's loads of room out there. Yeah, you're not going like, to catch the COVID. Yeah, the bit of cop on is all you need. They're, and they're coming in their car, they're getting out of their car. They haven't come from a rave. Right? <laughs> like, and I always do what I always think of. Do you remember, okay, uh, Snoopy. You remember Linus? And Linus, Snoopy yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had, Linus, if everybody's listening, always had the kind of security blanket and he was filthy and he always had flies around him. So imagine that's what we all think people, we all are now. So we all have bits, we're like Linus with COVID kind of flying around us. But those two doctor heads or whatever 
were getting out of a car and going into Wicklow Mountains and getting back into a car and going back to their house. They weren't meeting anyone. No, but see, there's two sets of people in society now. There's a set of people who are kind of logical about the whole thing and just want to get back and say, look, we have to accept that sadly people die. And they do die. And we've kind of had an inability over the last year to accept that people do die as they get old. And then there's the other kind of people who are terrified and they're behind the sofa watching everything that's going on. Oh, look, Mr. Smith has gone out on his bike. I wonder, is he staying in his 5K again or is he going to visit his sister? Now, listen, you know what? I, I've done a lot of stuff on mental health and I remember someone saying to me, actually, my therapist said this to me, which was brilliant. I had a, a great, I love it. Love health therapy. And she said to me, um, she said, whenever you talk about somebody else at, uh, in, in your life or anybody else, whenever you talk about them or slag them off or get like stressed about them, the only person who gets like uh, stressed or gets their heart level uh, raised is you. Mm-hmm. So the person who's out there in the Wicklow Mountains walking around with their wife, totally fine you're not going to nothing's going to happen to them while you sit there twitching your curtain <laughs> shit yourself do you know what I mean going look at them out there they need to know they need to know they need to be and basically what you're saying is they need to be as frightened as me I want them as frightened as me I want them in their house fucking shitting themselves as much as I am you know what I mean? uh, but they go down rabbit hole theory see so there's the rabbit hole theory right so the people are saying uh, well, what harm is it if I drive off in my car somewhere? I'm on my own. I'm in my car. So yeah, what if I'm 10 yeah. kilometers? What happens if you have an accident? If you have an accident, the ambulance has to come. The two ambulance drivers have to pick you up. They might catch it off you and spread it to their older mother, who in turn will spread yeah. it to Mary down the road who has an underlying condition. Well, what would look, well, what I would say to people right there and then is, okay, just hang on a minute, pause, sit down. And one thing that RT and all the other bleeding heads are all not saying is all the other deaths that are happening during mm. the day well 90 people all the 90 deaths, people die every day failure. yeah sorry how many in Ireland say 90 people roughly die yeah. every single day one third of those are cancer and how many people are dying from a guy from a car crash going to an ambulance well, well here's here's the let's put this into context and I said it on Twitter a while ago 17 trillion dollars has been spent on COVID. That's not including the loss to economy. Including the loss to economy, they predict within the next year altogether 48 trillion. Which now it's hard to estimate, it's unquantifiable. Is that like furlough and science? science no, no, okay, forget about the furlough for the moment. Just 17 trillion just spent on research, everything else, and and, okay. and COVID, right? If you yeah. take into consideration furlough, the loss of economy, it could be anywhere between 48 and 70 trillion. They don't know exactly. It's a hard figure to figure out, right? Mm. Can you imagine, even take the lower figure, conservative, 17 trillion. If we spent 17 trillion on cancer research, or if we spent 17 trillion on third world countries, can you imagine how many lives we could actually save when you take put it into that kind of perspective? Yeah. Mind-blowing, yeah, isn't it? It's confusing that, all right. Like, you have people going, "What? yeah, yeah, it is like, why don't you try and cure all the other things as fast as you cured COVID? But mm. so what's, I mean, that's the thing. Then you have to ask the question, why did they try to cure it so fast? Do you believe you all the mad, mean? do you believe all the mad stuff? Like, uh, Bill Gates, right? See Bill Gates? Ah, uh, no, hang <laughs> on. See, yeah. see, see, see Bill Gates now? He wants to own the world. He's like pinky in the brain, so to speak. Do you believe all that stuff? I knew that stuff. I, I, do you know why I don't? I always come back to... um. Sean Hughes, who's a comedian who died, uh, he was a great. Oh, he was, I don't know if you ever met him. Now. I do. I know Sean, Sean Hughes. but I know of him. I've met, met him once. I think I interviewed him once. 
Well, at his funeral, we were in London and his brother said, well, and there was loads of us there. It was like, you know, Stuart Lee and Darrow Brain and that, everybody, just everybody. It was mm. all like, all the, even the, even, um, oh, what's that brilliant Scottish actor? He played Doctor Who. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. McKellen, no, man, McKellen. No, 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 I know the guy. I know no, the guy. He was in Broadchurch as well. He's your man, the Scottish guy. I mean, skinny, skinny guy. Anyway, he's brilliant. He was there. But anyway, his brother said, I can see all people are here, is, uh, Sean Hughes, his brother said. And he said, and I'm pretty sure that Sean's had an argument with every single one of us. <laughs> we all just started laughing. Going, yeah. But Sean used to do this stand-up, which was brilliant. And he said, um, whenever I go into my local takeaway, right, people go, oh, don't go in there. That's not chicken you're eating, it's pigeon, right? <laughs> right? And Sean used to go, what, what? No, it isn't. It's not pigeon, it is. And then Sean goes, okay, let's have a look at this. Do you know how exhausting it is to try and catch a fucking pigeon? Right? <laughs> he says, like, these Chinese can just go and buy the chicken off wholesalers and it's done. No, but you think they're running around Trafalgar Square trying to catch pigeons with Exhaust it. Like, and that's exactly like, look at Bill Gates, multi-billionaire. Now, but, but, There's loads of donations. Of he couldn't be arsed sticking chips. Inside, I believe I've heard the chip. Yeah, they're sticking nano chips inside you to control yeah. the whole population. Yeah, well, my I love it not, and people don't know what to say when they go. You know what? You know, don't be do, don't be downloading that COVID tracker. Don't be taking that thing because they know where you are. And I go, what's that thing in your hand there? You fucking idiot. <laughs> your phone. Yeah, your phone. End of story. Conversation over. You dipshit. That's like that uh, is. By the way, for all the conspiracy where you are. So that's well, I live out here in the Nall, and that's how um, uh, the guy who killed Rachel. Uh, what's his name? The husband. The guy who was on the late late. Joe Remember? Riley. Joe Riley. Joe Riley was yeah. basically caught because of his phone. That's they, right, that yeah. The they they, they pinpointed triangulation. Yeah, yeah. Now, to all the conspiracy theorists who are listening in, I'm not completely dismissing the fact that Bill Gates obviously funds an awful lot of carry-on that's going on at the moment, but I don't think there's any Big Brother theory involved in it, no more than most people do. Getting back to you, Jason. Um, oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> so, how, I mean, how Jason you... in the null in a box ring. <laughs> how, I mean, how are you now? Because comedy is your outlet, and... There's always been this theory, now I could be wrong and I could be right, that comedians generally, the reason they're funny is because is there be, they tend to be people who are more depressed than everybody else and comedy is like an outlet. And now you don't have that outlet. Is that true, do you think, generally? Are comedians quite depressed people? No, I'd change that word to shy. Shy? Yeah. Yeah. Because I've met loads of comedians and no, they're not depressed. <laughs> I think that's, you know, um, it, it's just cool to put that label on and do you know what as well i can't believe we're going back to sean hughes sean hughes brother said on another thing up on the altar it was in a crematorium that's why i'm trying can't work it out in my head anyway he said sean always went on about our alcoholic father who beat us and was really horrible to us uh, most people here who know my dad uh, will definitely tell you that he just enjoyed a point <laughs> never beat us and he was never an alcoholic and he says but I can tell you now Sean just wished he was from a family like that <laughs> so he could tell people that's why he's such a miserable shit and he has depression and he goes I can tell you now Sean never had depression <laughs> and was raised really well and we were crying laughing because a lot of people like to you know be the story like the you know the I don't know the, the, the poet you know the, mm -hmm. the 
the, the dude is like, oh my God, I just can't take on like the whole world and I had to express myself. But I found that a lot of comedians that, you know, they go on to radio shows and they don't do really well. Like Dylan Moran will not do chat shows because he openly tells Graham Norton and everybody that asks him, he'll go, I'll ruin your show. And they go, why? He says, because I don't like doing them. I'm just too shy. I don't want to sit there and try and perform in that forum. You well, so you, found- you, you did uh, Graham Norton, didn't you? You've been on Graham Norton twice, I think, have you? Yeah, it's so fun. No, I did it once. It was you, so funny. Were you like, on with Lady Gaga one night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, was, <laughs> I was on with Lady Gaga. Uh, uh, Lady, hang on a second. It was on there. Lady Gaga. Oh, my God, my brain is literally mush. It was... Um, What's her name? You know, Coldplay's wife. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Bloody Paltrow. Yeah, she has that Lady stuff Gaga out of the smell of my vagina. Jeffrey and Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush, sorry. Is that, one of, is that one of Gwyneth Paltrow's candles in the background behind you there, which the smell of my vagina is? Not the, have you you've yeah, seen yeah, her candles? I yeah, have that. <laughs> yeah, you have to... Yeah, you have to smell it to her vagina before you go to bed. Well, when I was on that, she had brought on her. Well, funny enough, she did say a funny thing. We were behind the curtain, and just beforehand, uh, uh, Graham Norton was talking to me, Gwyneth, and Jeffrey. Just we all just that's all that was in the room, just sitting there at wine. You were killing time. Graham said to us, Graham said to us all, and looking at me as the comic, and I was like, oh bollocks, I couldn't have been on a worse one because he said, listen, I've never met Lady Gaga. I want to interview her, you know, and she's going to be doing nearly three songs instead of one, right? So I'm gonna be so he says he says to us, please don't interrupt me too much because she'll shut down. Do you know what I mean? She's got that kind of persona about her where she'll shut down and I won't be like so what that meant I wasn't allowed to slag her off, which was a disaster for me. That's what the comic <laughs> does on it. And so I fucking so we're about to go on and we're behind the black curtain and Gwyneth Paltrow is in the middle, me and Jeffrey Rush are either side of her, and Gwyneth looks at both of us and goes, We're screwed, guys. Fucking screwed. <laughs> I, went, I went, why? And he, she goes, Fucking lady gaga, he's never gonna talk to us at all. <laughs> so yeah. we go out and we're sitting there and bloody Gwyneth Paltrow is doing a cookbook of course with some fucking fairy dust vagina hair stuff going on it and she took out a paella paella whatever you call paella. it yeah for us all to taste and it was rotten we had to pretend it was lovely and Jeffrey Rush was lovely to me because he was an ambassador for the arts in Melbourne where I do a lot of gigs so he was kept mm. saying oh Jason's so good so so he was he knew the situation I was in because I couldn't slag off fucking lady gaga comes out like like uh, the lady madonna she's wearing what looks like a burial robe right so, <laughs> she's actually wearing a dress. That, yeah. that night she was wearing a dress that was designed by an irish designer and she just kind of went like uh, blah 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 higher 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 and then uh, when she was leaving <laughs> when she was leaving i said i'll see you later right and i don't know if you ever see it on the telly you'll see her pausing and looking at me and then going what because she was going over to sing so she said goodbye to grace and goodbye to her. and then she said goodbye to me and i went see you later and she, did, she, did, <laughs> she actually <laughs> thought that meant hang on <laughs> so that was the, but this is the thing you go on graham norton it doesn't matter what you say nobody remembers what you say they only remember who you're on with it was but amazing. it's a very it well-produced so- show. Is that, how long is... When you go on Graham Norton, right, the show itself is only four, 45 minutes on the air, right? I think yeah. it's 45 minutes or 40 minutes. But I, I believe they record it over like an hour and a half or something like that. They just take the yeah. best bits or something. Yeah, it runs. It runs. But it's not crazy. Like, you know, a lot of those a lot of the panel shows and everything that we can do can run up to four hours. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's like exhausting. You know? Yeah, or maybe... But the, but the Lady Gaga... I mean, the Graham Norton one is kind of run as live-ish. Yeah. You know, it's not... 
not far off because he's interviewing them. You know what I mean? They, they'd only cut out stuff that was, uh, you know, probably, you know, unnecessary or it couldn't be used. I mean, look, your, your yeah. career was, you know, booming before COVID. Uh, it was probably at the, mm. would you say you were at the peak of your career? Or, well, there was more to go, obviously. No. I mean, I, I mean, you're on, you're on Ireland's I... Got Talent. You'd kind of ventured off into judging as well on Ireland's Got Talent. I don't know whether they're going to do another episode of that or not. I don't know what that's going to what's going to happen oh there. Oh my God, Niall! What? Do you know what? And I was at that time when I was asked to do that. I was I was doing the, I was being the cool comedian because I was like you know gigging all over Britain and Australia, doing a lot of stuff. And I was, at, I was going, yeah, do I really want to do that? I don't know, you know, will that, will that bring my coolness down as a comic, right? <laughs> I swear to God, if you're ever at, do it. It was the best crack I've ever had. It's so easy. It's yeah. brilliant fun. Just and I was slag people, Visage. just slag people. I'd never, yeah, and I'd never met Michelle Visage. She was lovely. And Louis, I'd never, well, I'd only ever brushed by him, but he was hilarious. And and feckin' Denise Van Outen. They were both and did you get on well with Louis? Jason, you're just brilliant, Jason. I always this is the t-shirt about Louis is Louis that's how you deal with Louis yeah. Louis is Louis and he lives in his own celebrity bubble but he is he's a he's a great fella and, and you know he has his he has his weak moments because he's a he's a 67 year old man yeah see we don't think about Louis at 67 years of age no you no. don't and right, so he's, he's good fun, you know. So at the moment nothing's happening for Jason apart from the stuff you're doing yourself and I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes but you're not making any money I mean, and no, so so no, there's no. So you see, that's the other thing. People always think that it's a. We don't make all our money on television. People think um, it's hilarious. People see it on telly, Niall, and they go, "You're minted." Yeah, I know, I know, because I've been on telly. There's feck all money in telly, not yeah, in this country I mean, anyway. So fame it doesn't mean you're minted. You know what I mean? Like you know, you get like, paid oh. well for going to Graham Norton. Like, would you get? I mean, I don't want to know how much you got, right? No, I actually don't remember. No, I wouldn't. No, no, and the same because I've been on RT a few times. You get a few quid, and the same with TV as well. TV three pay you less, very little. Actually, to be honest, uh, or Virgin Media, See, one, Virgin Media one. TV three don't pay you anything. When you, well, you, you get the wrong people, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, you mean, you mean the 50 quid they're supposed to give you? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I was on The Tonight Show a good few times, you know, when Matt, not, when Ivor was on it, right? Not, not lately, because Matt doesn't like me. So Matt won't put me on. Well, mind you, I don't oh. think Matt likes himself, in fairness. But anyway, that's beside the point. But I went on and I sent him in an invoice and your man rings me and goes, what's this about? And I said, well, you hardly think I'm working for free, pal. And he said, oh, wait, okay. So they had well, to pay me. <laughs> well, we have been over this year being asked to do so much stuff and it's always for free. And, you know, it gets exhausting as a, as a comic mm. because they, do you know where it comes from? We stopped gigging, right? And, you know, our lot, I've got mortgages and fucking ex-wives and houses and children and well, whatever, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. rent now and everything to pay. And my money came from all my live stuff. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that just all stopped. And even like putting money into my pension and everything, I had to stop doing that because that was getting scary and, you know, and had to be really, really thrifty. And like, so I'm you're kind of dipping into your like savings that. now, essentially. Well, the main reason yeah. why we're not like like wealthy as well is that we pay 56% tax. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and do you, and not get, not, do you not get some sort of an exemption for being like an artist? No, that's gone. Like an that artist. Exemption's gone. Isn't you get it? like a tiny exact, like nothing. Like it's just, it's no, you used to get like 50% off anything that you wrote. Okay. And that was like, if you, so if you did a tour, you could only get 50% off one gig. It was, it really didn't mean anything. Right. Okay. But, and now that's totally gone. And that went when the recession kicked in, they started knocking off all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, no, no, it's, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. And it, so what happens is in, in this country, which is, which is, which is insane, 
is that like Bono and me would be on the same tax bracket. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm just about bare. I just about hit 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 that bracket, right? Which I can't remember what it is. It's quite low. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then so when my money gets taken off me, it gets ripped away from me. I'm like, what the fuck? What? I'm actually yeah, they, they, I mean, value. I was going to say Bono must be feeling the pinch, but he probably isn't. In fairness, but I mean, no. but I mean, a lot of these. I mean, the movie stars, the actors. I mean, the movies. The, 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 the singers rely, as you said, on live gigs as well and merchandise. Right nowadays. There's yeah. hardly any music. You know, and I would feel sorry for the musicians because a lot of them would have no money because they're paying all the bands and the... Like, yeah, they're getting feck all off Spotify. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there wouldn't be all much that. All that shit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, all the, the live gigs are gone, the merchandise is gone. So, I imagine even the bands like, you know, U2 and the big movie stars, they must be suffering. No movies are being made. No good music is being really released. I mean, it is being released, but nobody's getting to see it live. So, there's no money being made. So, they must be all dipping into their savings now and getting worried. Yeah, they are. There's this. all different. I mean, obviously, we know that. Like, you know, Bolo's was ridiculous one to use because he's a multi-millionaire, so he's fine. Do you know what I mean? And you're not and, worried about uh, him. I wouldn't be worried about Bolo. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to ring him he's up totally... and just see does he does he need a few quid? Well, do you know what? I always <laughs> always drives me mad as well. I have and I always defend Bono when somebody goes, "You see him? You, you remember that R's exemption that was in? Yeah. That R's exemption. He's getting that. You know what I mean? He's minted and like and he got he has all his money in Switzerland. Like, oh, they're not even shit, paying like, their taxes in this country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets in right hundreds of millions of sterling, fleck fecking nainars, ninars, whatever from all over the world. And a lot of it comes into this country and he pays massive amount of tax. Oh, I know. Because you're saying about, you're talking about whatever percentage of hundreds of millions and then people are going, you know what he can do? He can fuck off. You should be paying what I'm paying. <laughs> no, oh yeah, really? I'd say he'd love paying what you're paying with your fucking 56 quid out of 100 or whatever it is. What is it about, what what is it about Bono that people seem to have a go at him all the time? Oh, there's Bono getting uh, involved again. He always has an opinion on everything. He gets involved again. Now he's fighting yeah. for the children of Africa. And now we look at him now. He's talking to the Pope, for God's sake. Trying to help people, you mean? <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus Christ. I always said that, like, you know what I mean? As an entertainer, like, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're most welcome in other countries. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how it works. But, so here's the thing. How long can the comedy career last? I mean, realistically, some of the best comedians in the world have lived to old age. I mean, if you look at the likes of the Bob Monkhouses and all these people, they lived to a long, long life. Um, who, I mean, who, when, you, when you were a kid, you know, in Dublin, with your dad, man, a Saturday night, what comedians did you like on the telly? Oh, my God. So I remember my dad, he used to switch off the BBC news to put on not the nine o'clock news on BBC. Loved it. Was Rowan Atkinson and uh, remember all them heads. I only and watched it the other night. We said we were in bed, uh, we watched it the other oh. night and it was that, the, the episode with the gorilla. Do you remember? Um, oh, sitting being interviewed by sitting, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, that's right. He was interviewing the gorilla since they had brought him back to London and they taught him how to speak English. <laughs> that is well, hilarious. It's, it's yeah it was brilliant and like and now of course a lot of it can't go on because it's it's you know touches on racism sexism like all the comedy did then but if you take all that out of there when i was a kid of course you know we didn't even spot that we were just sitting there laughing. that was funny at, yeah at spite milligan at monty python uh, tommy cooper it was endless it was like dick emery there was oh, dick emery um, was amazing you're awful yeah, but was, i like you yeah, and there was Morecambe and Wise. Uh, it, the telly for comedy was insane. And I uh, remember, I sat, this is amazing, this is amazing. I sat in Paul Jackson's office. Now, Paul Jackson was responsible for BBC, most of the BBC comedy that you'd see in the old days. Like, he brought Lenny Henry in, he brought um, French and Saunders in. 
He brought in the young ones. He brought in all that. All that crew was all mm-hmm. Paul Jackson's crew. And I met Paul Jackson in 1998, I'd say it was, or 99. I don't even start in doing comedy. And I sat in the BBC. He was the head of comedy at BBC there, right? So head of entertainment, whatever it was the title. And he said to me, Jason, you see you? I'm going to have you on telly as soon as I can, right? And I was like, oh, my God, okay. And then he left. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking left. I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> no, I did. I did. He went on to Granada and then he went off into Australia and he was just gone. Oh, no. It was like, and then we were like, no, Paul Jackson. Did, so you, ever, did, you, ever, did you ever think about a move to television? Was that something that you want to do or you'd like to do? Or, or well, do you, do you prefer live that, gigs when, and stuff? Well, when I was doing my live gigs, you know what I mean? And uh, the re- I was doing like, and the way I would do my gigs, like, you know, involving the audience, using the props, all the mad stuff, all the be- all the, uh, the TV heads used to go, I don't know where Jason would fit in in television, but I was never asking to be on television, right? <laughs> so I'd go for these meetings and they'd be going, I don't know where you'll fit in. I just don't know what you're going to do. And so I just kept doing the gigs and I just kept, I kept getting bigger and bigger doing my gigs and, and I was happy in gig worlds because I was in I was in full control of all that material. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I write it. I perform. And by the way, you were very popular. I mean, you're the only man yeah, to sell I, I, out Edinburgh the way you did. You yeah, know, I, I mean. Have to sit, and like when you gig with all these TV channels, you have to sit in and like, so I got it. This was great, right? I got, uh, I had um, a show called The Jason Byrne Show. Brilliant name. Um, on BBC Radio 4. And it was each t- each episode was, you know, uh, themed like law. And the next would be holidays. Next would be like, you know, childhood. And it did really well. And then I won a Sony Gold Award, which is like a massive radio award. I, didn't, I never even heard of it. I won a Sony okay. Gold Award for that. Right. OK, so but what the, the trans it was trying to get something that would fit you. And I don't think there's anything that would fit you because you're mental. No, uh, no, anyway. listen, that's not true. But this is the whole point, Niall. Yeah. People think I'm mental. But, but you are. Lying. No, that's I've seen lying. you live so many times. You yeah, are but mental. That's it. But I'm not like that on, on, in other, if I have to do something different. Could you do what serious mean? acting, like? Yeah, I'd love that. Would you? I'd love that. I'd love to do that, yeah. And like be I a detective did, in a thriller or a drama or something. Yeah. Or a serial yeah, killer. Oh, no, serial killer, because everybody's watching serial killer stuff now. But let me tell you, here's how this happens, right? Yeah. We go from radio, and then they offer me a sitcom. And my sitcom, right, which never did, it was called Father Figure, right? And this was when Brendan O'Carroll was flying it with his one, right? Because I do I remember Brendan, it, yeah, I do remember it. Yeah, so what happened was, I had this idea, right, that I wanted to do a thing called Father Figure. And the idea of, of it was was that I had lost my wife, she died, and I was left as a single parent with these two kids. And I wanted to do it, like with no studio audience, but have it quite dark, right? <clears throat> Cut to the BBC and the fucking writers and bosses and so many people, me in a live studio audience, right? <laughs> On a set made of cardboard. <laughs> with, with me doing like the most horrendous shitty sitcom ever. Like me going, like, I don't know if everybody's watched Ricky Gervais's I Extras. I was just going to say, it sounds like they give you a catchphrase I, as well. Niall, I stood in the BBC, and I won't, me- I won't mention it, said to me, do you have a catchphrase? <laughs> and when I watched Ricky's Extras, I went, this is the fucking nightmare I actually lived. What was Ricky's catchphrase? What was, I'm trying to remember his catchphrase. What was the catchphrase he has in Extras? Oh I, oh, I wouldn't do that. No, because he, 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 he had a face like that. He had a kind of yeah. round glasses, curly hair. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, no. And in the oh, audience. Yeah, like, oh, no. I know what it is. You ready? Yeah. 
you're having a laugh. He's having a laugh. You're that, having a laugh. That was it. And the audience was repeated after him. It's like the, it's like the old days. Remember, remember Bruce Forsyth. Now it's to see yeah. it, to see it. No, everybody had to have so, a catchphrase. And the thing is with Ricky, like, you see, this is the thing in entertainment. You've got to be like Ricky Gervais and you've got to be like um, Louis C.K., right? When you're, when you're putting your foot down. Louis, or sorry, not Louis, but Ricky would not let the office be made by, by the BBC. He wouldn't let them make it. He says, I'm fucking making it. I'm directing it and I'm editing it. And they went, no. And he says, well, I'm not doing it. And they kept saying, no, and he went, no, I'm not doing it. And they went, all right, go on, go and do it. And that's why it was a success. And then I hear these stories about Peter Kay. And people going, oh, he's very difficult to work with. Yeah, do you know why? Because he told you to fuck off and he's doing it this way. So, yeah. it's only, it's well, so By the way, where is Peter? Here's the thing. This is like a burning question. I'm sorry we're running out of time, I know. But where is Peter Kay? So he had this big tour booked all over the world. This is back in, was it 2015, 16? I can't remember what yeah, it was. He, and, and then suddenly he announced, I, I, I have some personal shit going on in my life, so I'm cancelling everything. I mean, and he hasn't really been seen since. Well, he's I, been on I, TV. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know, Peter, and I don't know what happened. Would it be a hell thing, maybe, or something? That's all mm-hmm. I was guessing. Yeah. But I, I don't. I've only met. Funny enough, myself and Tommy Tiernan gave Peter Kay his first ever award, which okay. was uh, he won So You're Thinking Funny in Edinburgh. And I says, "What are you going to do with the money?" He says, "I'm going to buy a car." He says, but I'm going to make sure it's second hand because he was always thrifty. But, but I met him, a few, he was always a lovely fella and he did Phoenix Nights amazing and he's a great, he's a brilliant stand-up. He's very good. Oh, he it's is funny. Like and, but I don't know where he is. No, whatever happened. I don't Although know the only complaint he was when he did his last tour, when he played here in the three arena, people complained it was too short. It was like, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour long or something like that. It was, it was too short. That was the only complaint I think they made about it. It was well, funny, but too short. Well, then maybe we should just, you see, this is the thing. We never really know what's going on with people. Maybe he was only able to do that. Yeah, and he had been on, he'd been on the Late Late Show like two nights yeah. or three nights previous to making that announcement. You know, saying he was looking forward to the tour and da 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 And then all of a sudden, two days later, three days later, maybe my brain is not the best at remembering how long it was, but it wasn't that long after the Late Show interview. He said, no, the whole thing's cancelled. And I thought, was that's a bizarre decision. You know, and maybe it was a health thing or maybe he just got a, an epiphany and said, I need to spend more time with my family. I don't know. It's kind of That can be a big thing. I remember uh, Frankie Boyle was only talking about that on Louis Thoreau podcast. He just said, you know, Louis says, well, you know, you, you stopped gigging. Why was that? And he said, because it nearly killed me, Louis. I was exhausted trying to do all these gigs every night. And he says, and my crowd would be quite feisty. They're sitting there probably with hatches in their head. And, and he says, I just, and I missed, you know, yeah, he missed his family. And, and did that affect your life as well? Because I mean, okay, you were married. No, well, I, I actually, and that's the other reason why, and people always go, why aren't you doing, why aren't you bigger? Why aren't you on telly more? And they all get more angry than me. And I'm going, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Because I chose not to go to, I, I worked in London a lot. But once I had my lads, I, you know, I started to, to kind of um, timetable my, my stuff a lot. So I'd only go and gig for three days in Britain and come back then for four days in Ireland. And I'd be with the lads, you know what I mean? And I, I, I separated out my Irish tour and my British tour and, and, and Edinburgh, they'd come over there with me. and Australia, yeah, they were going to Australia. They went to Australia a few times with you as well, didn't they? They went to Australia. I remember, my, I remember the local headmaster coming up to me and saying, Jason, I actually see you more than I see nine to five dads. Right. Okay. <laughs> but says, but says, do you have any? Do you have any regrets? Because you're busy. I mean, look, I'm the same. You know, I do the the talk show during the day, and I do the nighttime show as well. You know, you're amazing. I, I, and I do the when I used to do the nightclubs, I used to do the radio during the day as well. So 
there are times that I do regret that maybe I worked too hard, but I did it for the best reasons, which was to provide money so as my kids could have a good ed- education, so they could have a good time, so they had a nice holiday, a nice car, a nice house. I did all those things the, for the right reasons. But do you have regrets now? Do you look back at your life and say, maybe I shouldn't have worked so many gigs or maybe I should have spent more time? Or Do you, do you have those regrets? I don't, I don't have those regrets. Because, as I said to you, I just didn't go for the foot and accelerator career i could have i could have i mean some of the lads over there were like gigging like every night and never seeing their families and like chasing game shows and, or sorry not game shows but panel shows and then they'd you know be hanging out when they want to meet like in the groucho club and it was exhausting shit you know networking I mean? yeah i just nah it i was like going, nah. I, I mean i I'd, I'd already had a real job do you know what i mean for mm-hmm. many years and i just what did you do by the way well, I worked at a place called Lighting Dimensions, with, and PJ Gallagher worked there as well. We were like, we used to, we used to like, we used to call ourselves lighting technicians, which is uh, a right. name we made. We we made that up. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we used to, <laughs> I worked there for nearly five years. So I had a real sense of how real life works, and I, I never loved the showbiz life. It wasn't for me. I'm too much of a, I'm too much like me, me Ophelia, who now, God, my God, that's exactly a year tomorrow that he passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And, yeah, I heard about your dad. And, and you talk about yeah. your dad so much on the, on the live gigs as well, because it's your yeah. dad and mom. I mean, it's your experiences living with your dad and mom that make up your live gigs, essentially, yeah. you know. You well, talk about your mom. You talk about your mom twitching through the curtains on many occasions, twitching yeah. through the blinds. <laughs> I mean, fuck me, dad. I used to go over there, like you know, at least like once every two weeks to see what story he had. Do you know what I mean? Because he does that. And I remember him. T- oh, he told me this. This. Oh, these are. Lo- this is such lovely stories, right? He was saying that um, he goes, you know, he, he says because he, he'd always he'd have his fag. He had a little fag, and he had whiskey out in the sheds. It was a. Br- and I always thought he he had. The secret of life now. Right? So <laughs> people, people always go, what's the secret of life? Well, my dad had it. And people go, what do you mean? Like he wasn't well and he had his heart well. Well, that was because, you know, he basically, you know, he drank and smoked too much over his life. And just to slip in as well, I went over to see one of the neighbours, right, at Christmas. And uh, Betty, your name, and I said, Betty, I says, I says, Betty, you look great. And she looked at me and she went, no, I'm not. I look, I look shite. Right? And, she, and then she looks at me, she grabs me by the arm and she goes, but I tell you, Jason, it was fucking worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, all the parties we had in your mum and dad's house. So my dad, the key, I think the key thing is, is that he never stressed. And I remember when we had the last recession, I said, dad, oh my God, there's a recession. And my dad goes, yeah, that's my fifth recession. <laughs> Didn't. And he would sit back. He, and he, if you imagine Armageddon, right? And let's say, which we kind of would be in it kind of now. If the if the meteorites were hitting the earth and everybody's running around, my dad would be sitting outside in a field on a couch with a whiskey, just looking at everybody <laughs> running around like lunatics. He never understood why everybody loses the head. So it's very hard to do as a human. And final actually, thought, and I don't want to end on a, on a sad thought, but I, I know you yeah. talked about when your when your dad died and you reassessed your life in some way. When you you, you yeah. spoke to me privately and said, and I don't I hope you don't mind me saying this, when you held his hand when he was dying and you kind of reassessed your life a little bit and said, like, yeah. is this really what it's all about? And did you, did it, did it turn a corner for you when that happened? It did because I always think that if, if we, if we all really knew we were going to die, we would approach life differently. So those curtain twitcher fuckers wouldn't care about the people up in Wicklow. They'd be, you know, they, they should be sitting in and trying to see how they could have some fun instead if they knew they were going to die whenever. So when I seen my dad and I held his hand and I watched life leave his body, which was an amazing thing to see, right? 
and he was he was 80 just well nearly 81 and to watch that leave his body and that's it do you believe in god gone. do you believe in god no, I don't believe in God. No. And my dad certainly would be fucking haunting me right now if he did. <laughs> Jason. Do you, know you know what he said real quick? Let me just tell you here. Because he, we were saying like, uh, people were saying, well, so when the hearse comes to the house, are you going to walk up behind us? And uh, I says, no way, me fucking dad will kill me. <laughs> my dad would literally, you'd probably hear him knocking in the coffin, I said. And he'd be literally, oh, hang on, can you hear me right? Oh, yeah, I can hear I'd hit off me fucking button thing there. I said, literally, if that happened, we'd hear me dad knocking the coffin. And then he'd be literally going, what are you doing walking behind me? Everybody's <laughs> looking at me now. You're all making a fucking show of me. But that's why we cremated him as well, because like he, he's, he also said, don't be lowering me into a grave which is all blubbering I know I've often said the same thing when I die I said just stick me in a wheelie bin or something like that don't bother with all this palaver I said because if you bring me to a church and he's all standing around wailing I'm going to haunt you all forever and I will because well, I let, well here's a nice thing as well you know what I mean I absolutely now I don't believe in God and all but I do love the feeling of you know energy that people have because that's a science we're mm. all an energy we all have to the energy ha but I was absolutely now of course as well your brain will look after you in situations like that do you know what I mean so a lot of people, they say that when you die and you see the light, that's just your brain protecting you, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Hel helping you, thinking you're going somewhere. But the thing with my dad was I, I, I held his hand. I seen his, the energy leave of his body and I could absolutely feel it. Like, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So leave what happens? Or, or I know this is a real philosophical question, right? But mm -hmm. when you take your last breath, what happens? Do you, is it like, do you, like, what do you think happens? Is it just like going to sleep and having a dream or is it just... Ksh, curtains closed because I often say this to people who believe in God and then I, they say oh, of course there's a God there has to be something like and I go well what was there before you were born do you remember that and they go no and I go well then why do you believe the world owes you something and there has to be something there after you die so what do you think happens when, when you close your eyes the last time what do you see then what happens then is it just psh, God well, well, if you ever want any help on this, um, there's a guy called Alan Watts, who's a philosopher. He's dead now. I mean, he's, he's, but you should put in Alan Watts and put in death. And what he says to help everyone, he goes, whenever, you know, when you go asleep in a deep sleep, mm. you're, you're, well, you're asleep. Yeah. You're, and you don't, you don't know you're asleep. So he says, when you die, it's like being asleep forever. You just don't know you're Without asleep. a dream. Without the dreams that go with it. Yeah, and my yeah. belief is that is the energy thing is that you, I think you definitely just, you know. I said that to somebody before and they said, what, and you don't dream? And I said, yeah. And they went, yeah, you, but would you not be bored? And I said, you but. Know, you'd be bored. <laughs> but a lot of people believe, I mean, they all, but they, there is the one about just mixing into the earth again, you know, oh, right. back. And you basically, the, the, the spiritual thing comes in so many different guises. And I remember being in Hong Kong, right? And. We were gigging in Hong Kong and I seen a guy and he literally had loads of sticks on his back and he must have been 95 and he just had jocks on and I found the little fags they always smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so we had the sticks over his head, sorry, you know what I mean, on his back. So his head, the strap was around his head and the sticks were coming off his back. So he was holding with his head and he had the fag in his mouth and he had uh, just jocks on. Very, very fucking, you know, poor man, like no money. Mm. And he put down the sticks. I was watching him because we were just sitting on the bench in Hong Kong, very busy. And then he went over to like this kind of, uh, you know, like this Buddha shrine and he burnt these sticks and he started waving them, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Rubbing them and praying. And I went, oh my God. I remember Colin Murphy says, I love to have a religion. I says, it must be so nice to feel that you are definitely going somewhere because that man 100% felt 
that do you know what I mean by praying and doing all yeah, this yeah. and then he just put the sticks on his head oh he has hope again. I have a caller rings into the show all the time James is his name and lovely man yeah, very god fearing yeah, I know I know him, good afternoon yeah. Nile. And he always yeah. refers to me as Niall. Does he give out to you when you go against the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well? But he's a lovely fella. No, he's a lovely guy. Yeah. And, and he says to me, you know what? I don't mind, Niall, if my turn is up. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm going, oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> but, I mean, it's lovely to hear people with hope. But listen, Jason, I know there you... Is, there is, and there's one thing I'll have to say as well that Alan Watts says, that when you die, what you're doing, all simply all you're doing is moving over and letting another life in. And then, he's, then he said, which was great, he says... Can you imagine how exhausting it would be to live forever? I don't know. I you know I'd like that. No, you wouldn't, Niall. I because would. I met, Providing I, met, I could bring certain people with me, like. I met Nicholas Parsons, who'd only died last year, and he was ninety-six. Yeah. I said, "How are you, Nicholas?" And he said, how do you think? <laughs> I am so tired, Jason. So. Yeah, no well, worries. listen, Jason Byrne, it's been lovely talking to you. Niall, uh, thank you. I'm going to go and collect my child. Yeah, I'm going to do it again. All right. Yeah, listen, I'll do a course. I'll ring in, ring, ring in at night and annoy all the. All yeah, the, do the that too. Listeners. Right, Shut up, you! What do you know, you red bastard? <laughs> <laughs> Jason, thanks very much indeed. Thanks, Niall. <laughs>